so therein lies this, you know, this picture that we're painting with nurturing sex where we've already laid some foundation here. You've got two spouses, very likely two different experiences with desire in two different experiences. This category lets you have two different reasons that are driving you to make this choice. Yeah, absolutely. Two different sets of expectations about, you know, like what, what I what I want to have happen in, in my body or experience and what you want to have happen in your body and experience and letting them both be good and accepted. And it's an invitation away from what none of us want, which is the duty pity category, where there is a heart of nurturing towards the higher yeah. desire person. I would actually challenge that like the most optimal version of this is that it's actually honoring both people. We are two unique female professionals and friends that have come together to have meaningful conversations and a little fun along the way. Welcome to the Arable Podcast, where curious minds grow. I'm your host, Jenna Mountain, and I'm your other host, Kimberly Galindo. Hello, welcome back to our six-part series to fall back in love with your sex life, where we unpack a concept map for a variety of intimate encounters that will help your marriage flourish. This is part two on nurturing sex, which I said last week was my low-key favorite. I do think that might have been a little confusing for some people. (laughs) It's not my favorite because this is where I think everybody should live all the time. It is my low-key favorite because of what it requires of us as humans to get there might be the hardest. Mm Mm-hmm might be the healthiest thing you could achieve and actually think makes all the other ones better. So I am so excited about this. Uh, Last week we unpacked part one on pity and duty sex. Rough. It was a rough episode. Yeah. Hard pill to swallow Mm -hmm. because we don't want you to swallow that anymore. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I really, it's not good. No. Yeah. We don't want that for any of y'all. This is an invitation to walk out of that season if you find yourself there. So let's talk about uh, nurturing sex according to the book where we get this concept map from. It is defined as honoring the higher need um, of one's partner, but done willingly so with various levels of participation and pleasure. Now, as we said last week, we push back on the use of the word need. Love what we are getting from um, this text. Again, we will put links in the show notes so that you can go buy this book. It's a tiny book. It's an easy book to like get through time-wise. Um, but that is like the formal definition that comes from the book. And I, I appreciate they spend some time, the author spends some time really unpacking this because I think this is the category that, in my experience, most couples don't have. Mm-hmm in their kind of repertoire of healthy, positive sexual experiences. And it is, in my opinion, the most detrimental to be missing. Um, And so this nurturing sex or lovemaking um, is, I think, nourishing for both partners. It helps nurture differences and hold space for differences in this. I, I think... 
in this really beautiful way. And, and the thought that's coming up for me as I'm describing this is this is like a lot of other things um, that you and I teach and talk about, though. I think you could really stop short on the teaching of this and the understanding of this and conceptually be very shallow which is not going to get the same results. So you and I are going to spend some time in this episode today and really unpack why we so deeply value the opportunity for this experience, the discipline of pursuing this, the um, permission to have this be a category of sex in a flourishing, thriving sex life um, today so that couples might to benefit from this and again it's an invitation to shift your experience your belief system a little bit you know and yeah. i think it's um you know I've, I've yet to meet anyone that's like oh i've heard of this so it's it's new for a lot of folks some people might be practicing it um a little bit clumsily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that a word clumsily i'm gonna sure. use it um but even those folks, when we start describing it and giving it some parameters and definition, they're like, oh, and it helps them practice this mm-hmm. so much better. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, for sure. I think I have met folks that are that are doing this. It's probably because, again, we don't have definition and you don't have a little bit of a map. I mean, you're, you are fumbling along. Um, I think the first response is. Uh, our pushback, I guess, not response, but pushback again for this one is, well, we both won't have a good time. Yeah. The and assumption it's that be it's going to fall flat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That it'll be, um, I don't, I, I don't know if I have good words for it. Um, but like a one-sided, um, I think people then start describing what we've already talked about, and that's that's duty and pity sex because they can't fathom again that we could be in two different places. We can be in two different places. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be lots of love and mutuality and deep connection, deep here. connection, and even joy and even fun, pleasure, pleasure and fun. Um, and there can be two different experiences, two different outcomes. That can coexist in the same space. This is where it often bumps up against one of the myths that, like, unless you both have an orgasm and an experience, that was not a good sexual encounter. Right. Um, that myth is often, uh, the shame is often handed to wives, women. You know? Although sometimes men can pick it up. I agree with you. But sometimes it's like her feeling obligated or demanded to have that experience um, when she doesn't want to. Um, and sometimes that's, I don't, I don't know, it, it, that, that, that one swirls for me. It's, it can be either party that has pathologized that. But sometimes he will pick up the brokenness and go, well, it must be my fault. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, again, we're back to shame's hiding out somewhere um, because of, there's a myth that says, you know, 
mutual orgasms or the timing of orgasms or you, you know, both have to have one, both have to have them. Um, and many times, many times women will describe a very sexually satisfying experience with their spouse and they didn't have an orgasm and they didn't want one and they didn't want one. No, women don't always want one. I, I am going to put this into the space. And I think there's a wide variety of how women experience sexuality, which again is part of the, the beauty and the complexity. And we need to allow all the women to be different. But there is a good number of women out there that would tell you that, and we're talking about women who enjoy orgasms. They would be like, do you like them when you have them? They're like, well, yeah, like they mm-hmm. feel great. Like all the pleasure and the euphoria and all the, all the, all that. And still they would, if given permission to say it, if given the space to find the words, because again, I don't think culture's done that for women. They would say, and orgasms take work for me, like emotionally, mentally, and physically. And so I don't always want to do that every night Mm -hmm. and I can still feel very connected and have a lot of pleasure if I'm not up for that Mm -hmm. and I do not think our culture has created space language or a category for that Mm -mm. no for sure not so therein lies this you know this picture that we're painting with nurturing sex where we've already laid some foundation here you've got two Spouses, very likely two different experiences with desire in two different experiences. This category lets you have two different reasons that are driving you to make this choice. Yeah, absolutely. Two different sets of expectations about, you know, like what, what I what I want to have happen in, in my body or experience and what you want to have happen in your body uh-huh. and experience and letting them both be good and accepted and it's an invitation away from what none of us want, which is the duty pity category where there is a heart of nurturing towards the higher yeah. desire person who, who may want an orgasm and is like, Hey, that's where I am tonight. It's what I want. And yeah. um, the other one says, Oh, great. Okay. I'm in a different place. Uh-huh. And I love where you are. Yep. I'm also really accepting of where I am. And they kind of talk through what, what's available, you know, mm-hmm. to, to them in the space and the context and the relationship that night. And then they engage in that. And a lot of times, and again, there's, there's such nuance in human experiences that there's, there's not a formula here, but a lot of times it walks, you know, they walk away where one has maybe had an orgasm and one is not. Uh-huh. But deeply connected. Yeah. Lots of joy. Lots of fun. One of the things I would push back on in the um, languaging of this category and definition from the original text is it talks about it's honoring the higher uh, drive, desire, partner. I would actually argue that done well, done best, this honors both. Mm-hmm. And that's why it is so wildly valuable to have it in the space. So like I would, I would actually challenge that like the most optimal version of this is that it's actually honoring both people. Mm -hmm. It is holding space for both people. Mm -hmm. It is honoring and holding and bound uh, the boundaries of both people. Mm -hmm. 
um, everybody is finding where their yeses can overlap. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, I actually have goosebumps right now talking about it because I, I think it is so undervalued because we're so shooting for the far end of the continuum that we can't even imagine that. I actually think it's not that I think people who have connecting and passionate sex aren't healthy. I don't think when we have mutually and consensually chosen to have passionate or connecting sex higher on the continuum that it demands, like the concept demands congruence, self-differentiation, and boundaries in the same way. I am hoping all couples take those (laughs) values, skills, practices into the higher end of the continuum. But I, I think really the discipline and the commitment to having nurturing sex Um, in order to actually do it, it actually demands it. And so it is almost this, like this, this, um, playground, just this category alone of developing this, I think, deeper intimacy Mm -hmm. by being able to have it at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I think we need to maybe talk about some of those concepts in order for people to truly understand why. I get so giddy about this category. Um, So let's talk about congruence for a second. Mm -hmm. I, I always think you do such a great job of this, but it is when um, the inside is matching the outside. What I'm saying aligns with what I am doing. Um, Deeply honest, not needing to hide anything. What would you add? Yeah, I think there's there's internal, external congruence for the individual, but then also for the relationship. Ah, yes. Um, that I'm congruent, right? What's going on inside of me is being expressed outwardly mm-hmm. to my spouse and kind of where I am and the experience, but also within the relationship. When both people are congruent, then the relationship's congruent versus, I think, when we're not communicating and when we're buying into myths or um, letting scarcity win, letting scarcity win, then it is, it's, it's not congruent. And and then the experience is very dissonant, which it's just, there's discomfort in that and tension in that. And then we start putting really dangerous meaning making on that. And so, it's congruence inside ourselves individually, but also I think in the relationship, which then it clears the air a little bit when there's mm-hmm. congruence and there's a grounded, very kind of, I don't know. It's just a better experience, you know, um, versus, I don't know, there's dissonance somewhere cause it doesn't quite map something is happening inside of them that I don't see on the outside or vice versa. It just gets to be dissonance, meaning disconnect in my own individual experience and thus 
that has to bleed over into what's happening between two people. This is not meant to be rhetorical. I want to talk about it for a second. I know my answer. I'm like, I'm like rolling through the Rolodex of everything I've ever been, you know, um, exposed to in my studies and training and trying to think if there's anything that would disagree with this, but like, do you think that we can truly vulnerably connect if we are incongruent? Mm-mm. No, I don't think, I don't think we can. Um, I don't think so either. Vulnerability is the ability to say, Hey, the, the inside matches the outside here. And here's what's on the inside. And here's what's on the inside. Um, which is very congruent. Um, and I asked that question because again, as we move up the continuum and create this category that is stepping above pity and duty sex, I think what happens to revisit last week's episode just for a minute is we can't allow someone to be honest about the fact that they are different in this moment than us. Mm-hmm. You can't have connecting sex. And, and I, even when I work with couples that are focused on like the number and the frequency of sexual experiences, when you start really asking questions and getting underneath like the fullness of what they dream for their marriages and what it doesn't feel good nine times out of 10, they're like, well, I don't want more sex if it's not going to actually be like with a human and like connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we say that this, like this idea of congruence, like it needs to be in all the rest of the continuum but this is the place where it demands it because it is acknowledging both spouses being in different places mm-hmm. and being fully honest, fully connected with themselves, fully honest with each other in this congruent way, which leads to the next word, which is differentiation. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I mean, none of us, none of us come into adulthood understanding or being totally healthy when it comes to being self-differentiated. We are all like Mm -hmm. working out very messy boundaries with the people in our inner circle and our loved ones and marriage is, is no exception to that. And so like, how, how do we let our two different experiences and personhoods be fully present? I don't have to be like you Mm -hmm. to be okay. And you don't define me, you know, we're kind of getting down some boundary things, but it's real interesting. And you and I get accused of being sometimes, although I don't agree, overly thorough in our process instead of just helping people like mechanically achieve something sexually. Um, being able to be healthy and differentiated from your spouse makes for better sex. Mm-hmm. But again, like you said in the previous episodes, everybody wants to be samesies in their mm-hmm. experience. And so they actually are undervaluing the very thing that's going to help them get the most connected, intimate experience in the long run. Yeah. Cause I think we have, um, again, it's cultural myths, whether we have consciously or unconsciously just, you know, 
held on to them and, and practice them, this idea that same is good and agreement is the goal, meaning you're the same as me, have the same experience as me, is good and anything else is bad. We are pushing on a lot of paradigms and one of them's this idea that actually differentiation um, is good, which differentiation is not sameness. It is, it is uh, here's where I am different and here's who I am and I stand in front of you and I just kind of explain and share and then it's fully I, holding space for a different person. And then I invite you to tell me who you are and I go, oh, okay, I can hold space for where you are and honor you as you honor me, honor myself as I honor you, um, which is just, it's not how we teach sex. It's, it's not how we teach humanity and like being a person, but I think people really, because of some of these cultural myths about sex believe that that's not good sex mm -hmm. and I would argue this is the sex that I want everybody to master I think the other stuff comes easier once you figure this out oh yeah if you start with your intentions being and if you want to know okay well how do I get to nurturing sex that's what we're trying to cast the vision for here vulnerability differentiation congruence are going to help you get to a really great nurturing experience. I mean, they help you do a lot of other things, but that, those are some key components here with this experience. And then you learn how to do all that and you learn how to have really great nurturing sexual encounters. What it does to all the other parts of oh, sexual yeah. experiences. It's an overflow experience that this gets to be an option on the table and you figure out how to do it. Again, this is this continuum and you learn these postures and skills and abilities and way of being healthy in your sex life amazing it's incredible i mean if you can't let someone be different than you if you can't let them be fully congruent and i i say that let like this is even like the just i can't tolerate it so i pull away it's not like you can be the controlling version or the abusive mm -hmm. version but it can also just be the like i i can't handle you telling me the truth that you and i are not having the same experience right now if you can't let them be congruent and different than you and hold space for that, you are asking them to show up to sex without their humanity mm -hmm. and their voice. If you want to have sex with a human being, you have to allow that person to be different than you. You have to be able to practice this. Mm -hmm. This is why I find this part of the, the continuum to be the most valuable because I, again, I want congruence and differentiation to show up in the other places, but the other places by definition are about being a little bit on the same page Yeah, and having a, a you know, and, and so I, I don't think they demand it. So you may not know. I think when couples figure out how to do nurturing sex and, and again, my pushback on the languaging honor both parties hold space for both human beings allow for true vulnerability i believe that this actually builds trust that undergirds the rest of the continuum oh yeah i mean and you think about sex in, in its best context and experience 
it is so vulnerable and it is just like leaning in and where there is trust. Oh my gosh. I can trust myself. I can trust you. We're going to, um, you know, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. And I think, and, and I don't know if anyone's ever articulated this to me, but I hear it in, in the, often the pushback that I get about this part of the continuum is, and that's kind of the weaker version. This is the less valuable or the less good experience. And it's just weak. And I think, no, this is powerful sex. It is powerful sex. I think it's the most powerful sex. In the full understanding of what each does. It doesn't mean it's the most spicy or the most intense. But I think it's the most powerful because of what it requires to actually practice it. Which is, you know, again, it's hard work, but it is work that pays off. And it's counterintuitive. Oh, yeah. Which is why we get so much pushback, which is sort of what you're trying to speak to in, in this moment. It's like, people are like, what? You want me to super lean into this? Yeah. I came to you for that 8 to 10 stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I think 8 to 10 will mean more if you're doing this Yeah. on a regular basis. Oh, gosh. I mean... Yeah, I think it just enhances, and and not even just her sex life, but yeah, the eight to ten sex. I mean, they even surpass ten when it when you when you can get there and the context allows. But I also find that couples have described to me. I've actually heard this that it's like, oh yeah, eight to ten sex is great, but when it's no longer this pressure goal. Oh my gosh, pressure kills everything. Love nurturing sex so much. We love this part of the continuum. Yes. And like, oh yeah, if that happens, great. Yeah, sure. When we're on vacation, that's super awesome. And that's great. But our sex life's awesome. Yeah. When we have this. And, and I feel satisfied. I'm so satisfied. I'm so full. It's so rich. And I'm so happy. And and I'm not living in scarcity mentality anymore. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you this. Let me, let me, because I threw it out there in the way I did. You have to shed the mentality mm-hmm. in order to get to this place. But I want to cast a vision that once you're in this place, you're not experiencing that mentality. But don't put, don't, you know, chicken egg, it's, this one's clear. Don't put the cart before the horse. You have to let go of scarcity mentality. But, but our couples who, who know how to spend a lot of time in nurturing sex, they're like, hey, we're satisfied. And I'm not worried mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. One of the things about... Um, so we've kind of talked about, uh, like the heart or the posture that this, and I'm going to say it again, requires, which is why I love it so much. Um, it just invites us into learning how to do this well. Um, let's talk about some skills and practical things that go with this. Cause I really do think this is probably the one that people have the least amount of information, knowledge, practice of, uh, we talk a lot about communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's talk about, uh, connecting communication, which we've done some episodes on this. We'll include them in the show notes, guys. Um, you know, how to, how to be differentiated and communicate well. We've got some other episodes from earlier this year. And so we'll include those, but, um, in order to do this, in order to be vulnerable, be differentiated, we have to be really good communicators, intimate communicators. And then there's some sexual dialogue. Mm 
mm-hmm. that's got to happen. And, and for some couples, that's where they may get hung up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, go back and listen to those episodes. We're going to talk about some really healthy communication and some I statements and differentiation. But I think as applied to sex. Yeah. Um, it has all those skills, right? I statements. Yes. I'm speaking for me. I ain't speaking, speaking for you. I'm not using you. I'm not labeling you. I'm naming my feelings. Yeah. I'm not labeling yours. I'm in, inviting and asking and being curious. Um, but as applied to sex, uh, you know, common question is, okay, w- w- when it, when it, when do we talk about, and, and it's before, during, and after. So All the time. All the time. It's an ongoing really. conversation. Um, so, oh, again, before, like, I statements... I'm a differentiated person. My spouse may be in a different place. I'm going to check in and be curious and not assume. Hey, before, you know. Well, and if you can't talk about sex, it's going to be really hard to negotiate getting to a nurturing experience because we're going to have to talk about, you know, this is an initiating deal. Mm -hmm. And um, and so in order to initiate with clarity, Mm -hmm. I'm would really like to have sex tonight. And the other person is, is sitting there thinking through how are they going to describe where they're at? It, it requires some sexual dialogue that, you know, some couples just don't have words at all. Mm-hmm. Some couples are really afraid to use these, these terms, language things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think nurturing requires a lot of before conversation oh, yeah. oh, to manage yeah. our sex expectations about what's about to happen. Absolutely. And it's probably in a lot of areas, but definitely in, in the area of nurturing sex, one of the least practiced forms of what most folks aren't talking about sex. It's usually one of the number one problems that we see. Yeah. But we, we get you talking. Just know if you come and but, work with us, that that is what we're going to work on a lot. Yeah. Before. And then, you know, we're surprised that we show up and have very different experiences and it was messy and difficult. And, and you when know. you can't talk about before, during, or after, mm-hmm. that actually feeds the shame cycle a lot. Because then, because we're not talking about it, all I have available to me is the private meaning making and the story I'm telling myself about this in my head. And unfortunately, um, you know, we, we try to practice as a as a team and as a business and in our own personal lives, like this idea of believing the best about the other person. If you're not dialoguing openly, you're probably not practicing that either. That's just, just my gut on that statistical probability. But so I'm, I'm going to narrate meaning to what just happened. It felt disconnected because we were not on the same page. We didn't talk about it and we weren't in the same place, which that part's okay. But because we didn't connect on our differences and our, our experience and our desires, we now probably have a ton of misattributions, which I think some of those beliefs are probably what is making people skeptical about being able to be different because we've had different experiences, but they didn't dialogue. Mm-hmm. They didn't connect over it. They didn't hold space for each other. And so because none of that happened, they might be skeptical of this. Oh, for so, sure. yeah. so communication point. before is going to be a key piece here. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's going to be, again, it's a form of initiation to say, hey, here's where I am. I want to check in with you and see where you are. And the other person goes, oh, oh, hang on. I'm responding. Let yeah. me Let check me in with this. myself and name my experience. Oh, and I'm in a different place. You know? I think about nurturing sex, right? Okay. Yep. I'm like, okay. And how do I, you know, how am I going to convey that? 
again, paying attention to the meaning that we make. And I think so many dialogues are happening internally and they don't believe the best and they are mislabeling self and the other. Um, and so there's often, and so I just want to, I want to validate and then push on the work here. There's often a lot of times some work to be done here because you know, very lightly scenario. Hey, I'm interested in sex tonight. Oh God, I'm not. I'm so tired. What's wrong with you that this is always what you want? You know, this is, this is coming and, and where it could get congruent, but be hurtful is that all comes out. And then you look at the other person and go, well, here's what I think about that. What I love about the example that you just gave was that's not the basic communication that we would teach. Mm -hmm. It was not believing the best. Right. It wasn't speaking for themselves. It was very much so labeling and shaming in order to get that person's needs met. But we do hear that a lot. Yes. That's the version that we hear. So if you happen to come and work with us, which we would love to work with you, and we walk in and we're like, what are we doing today? And we're like, we're going to work on I statements. And you're like, that's not sex therapy. That absolutely is sex therapy or sex coaching because that's how that shows up in the dialogue because we have this innate tendency to not speak from vulnerability with good skills. So, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you threw that example out there. So you can see, I mean, it's, this is work, working on communication, working on vulnerability and congruence and to do all that. I mean, it really comes back to some of those basic things as opposed to, oh, well, okay. Uh, I'm so grateful that my spouse can share where they are. And like, we can talk about sex. Look at us. I'm so proud of us. Okay, honey, I'm in a different place. Yep. You know what I would be okay with? And then kind of just talking through. And I, I'm going to tenderly use the word negotiation because you got to have some basic skills that are that we've just talked about because and then it starts to sound like a hostage negotiation <laughs> and then so, it's not it's, that's I, not what I'm talking about here. I, I love that you went there. Um so I might invite us to use the word compromise and actually talk about how for someone to really compromise you have to have fully used your voice and been heard. Mm -hmm. And I don't think most of us are doing that. Mm -hmm. You know? And so it is a compromise where you are negotiating the terms, but it is because it is safe yeah, and mutual mm -hmm. and consensual and everybody got fully heard and everybody was fully accepted. Like when I go, so, and this has been true for me. Like when I go, Hey, I am not thinking about that. And it's, no, it's not the vision I had for tonight. <laughs> maybe, maybe the vision was my pillow, you know? And I say that because, so I have two, two young children. And I think that what's cool about nurturing sex is that it holds space for seasons that are hard mm -hmm. when it comes to energy. But to be able to look at my husband and go, but I could rally for that. And that not to be offensive or hurtful, but that to be so received by him and go, okay. So you could show up and receive my lovemaking and hold space for me. And I'm genuinely going to enjoy doing that with him. Mm -hmm. Like I'm genuinely going to enjoy letting him, and I don't mean sexually drive, but like drive the experience in a way that allows me to not have as much energy or be actively turned on and aroused as we get started. Again, the starting in neutral happens a lot in this. Mm -hmm. Um, he actually made love with me is what I would 
because I fully showed up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So y'all can see where that experience of nurturing sex, it asks us to do some of that front-end work that we've talked about. Um, to see differentiation is good. To sit there and hear mm-hmm. yourself say, oh actually going to catch up on my Netflix shows tonight, you know, and I did, Netflix yeah. and chill. Right. <laughs> and he's like, well, can we add the children? Can we add the children? Um, and to, to be able to go, you know, differentiation's good. And, and, and she's being vulnerable or he's being vulnerable with me. And, you know, I think it's this, this undergirding message that I hear you and I see you and you're good. And I'm, being heard, I'm being seen, and I'm good. And when you start from that place, gosh, such a different conversation. But again, you, you've got to kind of paradigm shift in, in some of the other beliefs um, to be able to go, oh, okay, well, as we pivot, what does that look like for you? And the other one goes, yeah, I can receive you know, that, and I can give that, and you begin to negotiate, you know, the specifics on the, you know, who, what, wears of the sexual experience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and then have said experience, and, and both, both walk away going, yeah, I love them, and we're connected, and that felt great, you know? Yeah, and I like that in, you know, on this continuum, the authors have chosen to, like, give it a couple numbers. So, like, there is, and I, I mm-hmm. would say, both personally and professionally, that's real experience for a lot of people, you know, that, like, sometimes it's on the lower side of nurturing. So, I, I have I have categories for what that means in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, just, and I, and I think, you know, sometimes using our examples is helpful. So, I mean, there have been nights, I have, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, we have two kids, seasons can be busy. And I have said, I, I love you. I'm open to receiving. I am up for this, but this is like limited participation, right? (laughs) Because I am so tired, like Mm -hmm. bone tired. Mm -hmm. And there is space for that Mm -hmm. in my marriage. And there is space for that. And that has been a gift because truly, if that is not there, we're having less sex. That's just true. Right. Sure. Um, and we don't want to live there. Um, okay. I'm going to hook back around. I really was going somewhere purposely with this. So let's talk about the sex during, mm-hmm. because the beauty of having nurturing sex as an option on the table, let's remember the last couple episodes where for a lot of people, mostly women with responsive or respect, re- receptive desire, Um, there's also a dynamic that if we can start in neutral, like Rosemary Bassan invites us to consider that desire and some of that arousal will show up into the process. Mm -hmm. And all of the sudden you might actually crawl up the continuum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can happen, right? So it's, you know, just because you talked about something, Okay, before, okay, we've set this, we've talked through everything, now we're going to proceed. What, humans are, you know, especially female humans, you know, that being in neutral or mm-hmm. responsive or it takes several minutes into the process. And then 
I might want a little bit more than nurturing sex. Might want more than nurturing sex, or might want this type of touch or experience, or you know, shift. Um, and, and so you 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 need to because it's not a rigid formula, you know. And typically, when it is, it's not a lot of fun. Mm-mm. And it should be creative and playful and fun. And so, bef- you know, the deering is oh hey I could change my mind and shift gears yeah and something else is happening for me and and sometimes that means oh I didn't think I wanted an orgasm and now I do sometimes it means I actually think this would feel better than this or mm-hmm. I'm willing to do this and, and hey, you... I have a little bit more energy than I thought I did yeah I'm you know I'm finding some energy and so talking during um is so so important too I can't tell you how many folks I've and then it's it's a very silent process yeah um and which means you can't make any shifts and changes on that type of vulnerable level yeah and then that's that's just not as not as satisfying no it's not yeah so let's let's kind of recap why this is my low-key favorite (laughs) um Nurturing sex honors everyone. Yeah. Requires congruence and self-differentiation. Two whole healthy people being fully vulnerable. I just don't know if you can, I think you can do a lot of sex without those things. I don't think you can do this category. Yeah. And the fact that it invites, I don't even say demands that. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a skill I want everybody to have because I think that makes the rest of it great and I think it keeps you out of the bottom side of the continuum. It just, you know, like that. I, I want everybody to have this category, this discipline, and this experience. Yeah. Because I think that's really what's going to help couples deeply get to the intimacy level. And I think it's going to increase frequency, even though that's not what it's about. I think just the yeah. lots, just the equation playing out, you're you're gonna you're gonna have it more. So, um, yeah, we really, and I think I, I don't know. I think Lee's therapists and coaches get this rap of like, oh, you just you just want it because that's what you're supposed to want us to want, like vulnerability and all these statements, and you know, we get all this pushback, <laughs> right? And I'm really in great fun and just I, I'm great with those conversations. I want your sex life to be something that you love and enjoy. Yeah. I like genuinely have a heart for anyone that works with me. Like I want that for you. We want people to live in freedom. Ah, uh, yeah. I want it to be free and fun. And it, it asks us to do these things and, you know, do a reframe and mm-hmm. that's going, you know what? A killer sex life is a lot of nurturing sex. Yep. And it's so good. I think this is foundational. Yeah, absolutely. And optimism. Yeah. We'll end the show the way that we always do. Always. As we wind down the conversation, curious what your takeaway is as we wrap up. You know, it's just a good reminder. Um, and again, I've been very open and bold about this being my, just such a big, important favorite of mine. Um, 
it is that because like with many, uh, dare I say all things pursuing health, we have to do harder, maybe not what we thought, counterintuitive practices to get to, I don't know, the idealized thing, you know, the best version. Again, we'll get to eight to 10 sex. I, we, we want to skip steps as humans so often, or we only see the, the success metric as the finish line. And this category of sexual experience on the continuum, I think is foundational. And I think that mimics a lot of other coaching, mental health, adult development things that I'm aware of. And so it, it's like, I, I hope, I hope people hear this and really are able to do the hard work and lean in. And uh, I think it'll be worth it. So yeah. What about you? What's your takeaway? Very similar that the, the work is worth it. It's not just for the sake of like, well, now I can make a nice statement and be vulnerable. Check. The gift that we get when we do the work is, abundant and powerful mm, and leads into every part of our individual and marital lives and our sex life and all of it. And it just, gosh, it leads to so much flourishing. And I, I just really want that for you. Me too. Thank you guys for joining uh, next week on our six part series. We're going to start talking about connecting sex. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. Arable Podcast is hosted by Jenna Mountain and Kimberly Galindo. And edited and co-produced by Chris Vargas and hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit our website, arablepodcast.com, and find Arable Podcasts on Instagram or Facebook. You can also find both of us on Facebook. You can find me, Kimberly Galindo, on Instagram at the Kimberly Galindo. And me, Jenna Mountain, on Instagram at the Jenna Mountain. 